This is the Krillcast live podcast called Print It and Press. Why do we have to go in order? Just say the whole thing. Like, I don't understand. Because yeah. I'm, I'm a funny We're person. We're like a boy so band. Like... We have to, like, you know. In sync. <laughs> All right. Well, Rumble's track. having issues, so give me one second. I was wondering if I was going to have to reset it up every time. All right. Turn that one off. Mm-hmm. Remove that one. Try that one. Later. See if that one works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, it looks like Rumble might be working. Let's find out. Okay. Possibly working. That's an optimistic take compared to possibly mm-hmm. not working. <laughs> nope, I don't think it is. I don't believe it is working at all. <laughs> Well, we'll just have to post it there later, Chris. No, no, no. I just have to hit. I just have to add it. Hold on, give me a second. Yeah. So it's it's. I have to add Rumble every time we do it, apparently, which is okay. really annoying. Apologies to the guests who are now hearing yes. this uh, randomness for the first minute. That's and okay. Probably thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll be fine. I can always delete that if I want to. Not for people who are already here. Not, yeah, not for the live show. <laughs> That's okay. All right, let's see if it works this time. Okay, save changes. All right, let's see if that works now. Let's, uh, let's redo the intro then so you All can right. actually cut it. <laughs> Just a second. I want to make sure it's running. And then and as soon as we know it's running, then we'll call it. I don't it. think you know what a second I, is. I, I miscalculated. I should have said two minutes, everybody. The first mm-hmm. two minutes. I apologize. Okay, it is live, apparently. It is live. <laughs> All right. This is the Krillcast live podcast called Printed Impressed. I'm stealing your thunder this time because Will doesn't care. Yes. I am Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Will. And uh, if you're tuning in to Rumble, this is the first time you've heard that intro. But if you're anywhere else, I apologize because we were trying to figure out whether Rumble would be set up ahead of time or if I'd have to reset it up every single time. Turns out the latter is the, is the case. You have to reset up Rumble every time you want to stream. How stupid is that? Rumble, you are not as easy to use as YouTube and everything else. But we will continue to use that for now. Um, what else are we on? We're on uh, YouTube, and apparently I clicked Odyssey today, so we're live on Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize. I thought I clicked Twitter. I clicked Odyssey. Oh well, it's all good. All right. Well, I mean, there that. is some uh, allusions to Greek myth in this story, yeah. so yeah. works with the Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to point out, though, um, if you would like, if you would like to know about the upcoming printed and pressed book club club member book order. I don't Did know you just have a stroke? <laughs> uh, this, has all the, <laughs> this has all the upcoming reads. Uh, the next one in two weeks from now will be Unrestricted Warfare because China. And then after that, we will have, it uh, looks like, The Horse and His Boy. And then after that, Apocalypse Never. And then after that, C.S. Lewis again with Prince Caspian. And then mm-hmm. I have not picked out the book that goes in between the next two C.S. Lewis books. But if you can see a pattern here, it's a shorter, quicker read, followed by a more in-depth but about the same amount of pages read. So more of an adult book. Versus the the true uh, pattern here is adult book and then whatever Chris picked out, which is always <laughs> going to be a C.S. Lewis book. <laughs> Watch out. I'm going to run out eventually. <laughs> then we'll switch to J.R. Tolkien. Anyway, exactly. Um, <laughs> Those aren't small. <laughs> I guess unless but, you did all of his other stories. Today, just a reminder, we're talking about the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Which, of course, the wardrobe is the most important because you need a coat if it's going to be winter outside. And we all mm-hmm. know winter is coming. And this is uh, one of a couple characters that uh, was featured in the last book we read. <laughs> right. Yeah, the wardrobe. It was a tree. Twas it a tree was. at one point. Twas a tree. And then it got cut down with the magic rings having influenced yeah. it. So. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the the character. Are you wait? Did you already talk about the professor? Well, the professor's in here too. But yeah. Well, no, 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 not not the professor, not Uncle Andrew, Professor Magician, whatever you want well, to call him. Well, okay. Yeah. It's Diggory. Diggory. It's Diggory. That's right. Oh, and he has a much bigger part in this book than he does in the movie. Yes. If anybody's watching on Odyssey, they're going to think we're talking about YouTube competitors because <laughs> the stream is set up with the wrong title. 
I don't even know. I'll Chris, that Chris does. He's going to be confused when he goes back. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to fix this later. This is insane. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, how do you guys want to start this? Do we want to kind of do a synopsis of the book? Or we should definitely. Or... Well, first off, obviously, there's serious Christian allegory going on in this book. Um, I guess, is that the first thing you're now. starting with? There's more than that, Chris. I. But honestly, but, you could but, read this book and not see that at all. Yeah, you could. Not really. Yeah, you how, could. How could you read this book and not see that Until at all? Until you get to Aslan at the table, you can't. You don't have to see it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, that's what I'm talking about. But that's it, man. Because that's Chris, there's talking. It. There's talking animals. There's naiads. There's nymphs. There's a freaking yeah. Pan, which is the devil yeah. in Christianity. Well, I mean, it's also <laughs> just a fawn in general. Pan is yeah. just the god of fawns. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, the word know. Pan is just means all. Literally, that's all it means. Yeah. Okay. So, it, has nothing, it has nothing to do with the dude that's named Pan, the actual goat god that rapes little rapes people in bushes. That's why I made that joke. <laughs> I mean, okay. Wow, we're starting out demonetized. Well, here I we go. I just want to point out, though, that similarly to The Magician's Nephew, C.S. Lewis front runs this with a ton of messages to children to be cautious of strangers. Yeah, don't especially trust. those that they meet who want to lure them away with candy yeah, or snacks great point. or treats. It's like, bad candy. Well, I'm also also tea for Lucy. I like, Oh, true, true, there's, yeah. There's a non... So, hey, he's before his time. He's warning little girls not to drink drinks from strangers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, C.S. Lewis puts a lot in there about how kids should be more cautious, yep. especially about strangers. But then he also yeah. puts in there aspects of you know redemption like okay for example uh uh, thomas he's over there and you're not you're not um you're you're able to you know stop you don't have to go there's no such thing as a point of no return right Mm -hmm. like he's able to redeem himself and stop and not do what is wrong so i view that as like lewis is trying to tell kids like hey don't listen to those other kids who are like, hey, you can't turn back now. We've already mm-hmm. gone so far. So it's it's one of those types of You're messages. never too far to be redeemed. Right. Like that's, like it's, a, it's a very consistent um, theme in C.S. Lewis's books. But like, also- for example, in, in some other books, he's had some characters that were too far gone, like too far gone as, as a character. But... Um, it seems like he always leaves the door open, like, hey, this guy could be redeemed if he would allow himself the witch. to be redeemed. Except for the witch. Honestly, though, like, when Aslan starts singing in The Magician's Nephew, if she would have just went the other way with it, I think she, like, I think there was an opening there that she did not take. I think I don't, she's well, not no, redeemable she was... because she chooses not to be. Exactly. It's not because yeah. she can't be. It's because she chose not to be. Well, okay, but that's because she's she literally has gone past the point of yeah. no return where everything she heard of him was too good for her to hear like yeah. and that's what we saw in magician's nephew so no but it also comes with the message too right that even though mr or mr thomas had bad intentions for lucy mm-hmm. he redeems himself comes clean and then he's like her best friend yep right so that's another element to the redemption narrative that he's trying to teach kids in this that even after all of that if you come clean and you know you do do the right thing you right there it's like nothing bad ever happened kind of deal yeah it's forgiven you gotta be honest yeah yeah so it's like telling kids to come clean when they do something wrong Mm -hmm. it's a very valuable lesson and I think if you're a parent reading this to your child, then you should really try to hit on those points because it's mm-hmm. so subtle in some in some ways that as a child, you, you're probably not going to consciously pick up on that. Well, it, the first half of the entire book, all the way through with the beavers, right? Mm-hmm. That whole that whole part is about lessons. You've barely had the dessert treat that is the fantasy story in Narnia at that point. It's yep. all less, moral lessons. Whoa. My cat. <laughs> oh, like, it looked like you got attacked. So, yeah. like, my holy cat crap. just like fell over. My cat and, like, just took my uh, camera out. But no, it's like there's. He all collapsed of this... suddenly. Collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they, uh, he puts all of these messages in the front end, right? And 
he's trying to, you know, teach it while the kid is attentive. He's teasing the elements of Narnia, the, the fascinating fantasy story while he's giving those messages. And then when he re- expects the kid to be too tired, he just goes full on. This is Narnia. Mm-hmm. That's right. how I've read. The, that's how I've read the book. So I vastly prefer the first half of the book, and I think the second half is kind of rushed. Like he's just like, "Okay, you're falling asleep now, kid. <laughs> here, here, here's the rest of the story, so you know how it is." Yeah, that's well, probably what the editor was telling him. Right. So. I mean, you know, Tolkien wasn't telling him that because Tolkien's books are like, you know, I love them, (laughs) but they're very slow. Oh, yeah. Yes. The fellowship goes for a long time. What did you guys Um, think of uh, Edmund? I I think, like, when he first goes to Narnia and then backstabs Lucy the way he uh, does, isn't he kind of a Saul character going to Chris's favorite thing where he's, like, biblical (laughs) with it? He's almost... Like hmm. Saul, where he's persecuting her, <laughs> and then he eventually becomes like in the good at the end. I just assumed I... it was a representation of Judas, but when Judas can actually oh, get uh, is it Judas redeemed. though? Judas doesn't get redeemed. Well, so, he so might. here's the thing: C.S. Lewis happens. likes to redeem. C.S. Lewis likes to, uh, C.S. Lewis likes to redeem unredeemable, irredeemable characters in his books. Which for example, or or, or or rather, like fix the mistakes that occurred in the in mistakes that occurred in the Bible. So for example, like in uh, what is it? Uh, the second book of the space trilogy, Paralandra, he fixes a Genesis. Or in like the first book of the Magician's Nephew, he fixes Genesis by <clears> having <throat> Eve not and Adam also not eat the apple. See, but is he really Judas? I, I mean, he almost he's kind of always working for the wrong side. He's persecuting her throughout tormenting lucy right Mm -hmm. so because he's constantly persecuting her and his first allegiance was to the witch he was never aligned with aslan so he's not really a judas character and then at the end when they're describing him as an adult he is like edmund the just and everything like he's Mm -hmm. super all about justice and being very level-headed type of character so the lesson is don't eat turkish delights well there's that too but that when you look at his character overall it kind of comes off more salt than i guess i can give you that one man now i'm blanking doesn't salt come up with a really uh or like meets a really grisly end doesn't like he kills himself or something doesn't he well okay this is a children's book still come on Shucks. I mean, he's still one of the most important, you know, writers in the New Testament. Oh my gosh, this Sir Snug, stop sending whatever emoji is because it's broken <laughs> in our chat. No, see, look, this is what it looks like when I click on it. Yeah. Face, whatever that is, tongue out. Like, that's <laughs> that's not. That means nothing. I mean, it does say something. I don't know. Fair why, enough. Why I don't know what that something. word means. Anyways, um, long story short. Uh, the plot of the movie is essentially two parts, right? There's the pre-All the Kids in Narnia. There's the post-All the Kids in Narnia. And like you said, it feels kind of rushed in the second half. You're talking <laughs> so, about the book still. Okay, yes. yeah. In the movie, it's like, <laughs> there's not even, it's one movie. It's all Narnia. The, the, the getting to part. Narnia is like a short intro. But, but the real story, the book, it's like mm-hmm. eight chapters outside of Narnia. Yes. Followed mm-hmm. by nine chapters in Narnia. Well, yes. eight and a half. The ninth chapter is kind of a go-between. I mean, but, you mean like the eight chapters were like going back and forth? Because... Well, I mean, there's the, sh- there's, the sh- there's the short yeah. uh, visits between... Yeah. You know, you get the Edmund and Lucy visit. You get the Lucy on her own visit. But the bulk of that part is the pre-Narnia because they're not really all in Narnia yet. They're not consistently in Narnia. That's not the focus. The well, focus is that the wardrobe leads somewhere yet. else. All of them have not made it yet. Yeah, exactly. So they're not all there. Mm-hmm. Edmund hasn't been captured by the witch. There's no statues. She's not Medusa yet. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I do find it interesting that... Is that your cat Lewis, that keeps going in and out? <laughs> yes, my cat C.S. Lewis chose to spend so much time outside of the fairy tale. And there's a reason for that, I feel like. That's well, because for one, tell 
moral messages, Chris? For, for one, uh, when, any, when anybody tells you a story that seems outlandish or out of this world, your first thought is not to believe them, right? I mean, that's, that's the general consensus, I would say, for most people. If I told you that I saw a magical lion like, that acted like a Jesus figure, you would look at me like I was an insane person. It's the same way I look at you anyway, Chris. (laughs) Chris, that goes into the moral messaging, though, about how, um, you know, trust a person's character. Go off. Right. So so that's what the professor, the professor's lesson in the first half of the book is. Using logic, yeah. Even when he's using logic that is out of this world. Well, my my favorite part is he goes, you know, there's three options here. Either Lucy's lying which he said she doesn't do. She's little, she's truthful, and she's pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, she's a paragon. She's mm-hmm. the good person. Um, or she's crazy, but she hasn't exhibited any signs of a, being a crazy person yet. He's like, no, to be determined on that one. Or she's telling the truth. And the crazy and telling the truth could go together. If she's crazy, she could be telling the truth about being crazy. But anyways, hey, this children's story, don't complicate it. <laughs> right, anyways. Hey. But, but, but he logically eliminates the first one. She's not lying. So she's either crazy or she's telling the truth. Yeah. And the likelihood is that she's telling the truth in well, some way, think, shape, or form. I think it's important, too, to realize that there is a little bit of context that's kind of lost because he doesn't want, which I actually enjoy that they put it in the movie, mm-hmm. is is the, why did I get my name changed? <laughs> Chris, it's the, it, I hate the fact that um, they do skip it, it, the World War II aspect, because that's the entire reason the kids are being moved into the countryside to begin with Mm -hmm. right so there is reason for her to potentially be what 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 would you describe (laughs) that that as best i mean she's could be very emotionally traumatized at this point yeah ptsd i mean it didn't have it it was called shell shock but yeah so i mean she could have technically been making stories up potentially so it, it's kind of hard to really fault Lewis for not wanting that to be part of the focus, but it's it's clearly in there. Oh Change it. Look at his name real quick. At the very least, I I have not gone that inappropriate with the names you chat. <laughs> but I'm yeah, gonna pop a snug in the chat. Pop a snug. Let me hear you say my name. What are you, Walter White? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that I think. You said you didn't like that in the movie, Chris, but I like the extra context because it makes someone have reason to doubt the emotional state of Lucy. The only way you get that context during the only way you get the context during the book that that's going on is the fact that C.S. Lewis wrote this at the tail end of World War II, from what I understand. No, if you know history, you know, I know why. I, the kids I, yeah, but there's nothing. It. There's nothing that points to a year in the book. Nothing. Show me a spot where it points to a year. I'm pretty sure that if you can infer it from what is happening, the kids are being relocated. The pa- all the parents should know this. Yeah, whatever you say. I mean, it's yeah. a British book, man. I, it, this is a very yeah. Very this is what was happening at the time. So yeah, it's a it was a, it would be a contemporary context that people would understand. The vast majority of grandparents or parents of kids would have would have 100 percent experience to this yes it, it's, you sure about it's a, that yes it's a thing that's basically woven into the fabric of british dna <laughs> yeah i but, saw that i wasn't gonna highlight it <laughs> i had to so anyways did you guys notice <laughs> with the with the food aspect of the witch though about how he writes Edmund's behavior it's very like German Stasi or Soviet um, gulagi in the sense of the secret police are trying like going yeah, after I think you're him. digging too far no this no point. actually no really though he's talking about how he's oh lured with food she pretends to be his friend she distracts him and convinces him into just talking away, giving away information to the enemy. It's it's very much like how kids were unknowingly ratting out their parents for anything that they heard at home to their teachers or to whoever the police officer was. 
it's very much that thing. And that's how Mr. Thomas gets caught. Mm-hmm. It's very secret police-esque. It, it's not, it's very dictatorial. Oh, yeah. When he, when Edmund says that Lucy talked to a fawn, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, Even so though I'm, I knew I'm, it was happening, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, it's like, it, it's, yeah, you think I'm reaching, but at the same time, it's a moral lesson to kids to be like, hey. Maybe you shouldn't don't, trust somebody yeah, who's giving you food. Don't tell secrets or so many details about your family to strangers. Stranger danger. They're like good and in a position of trust. Like, don't do it. Right? So you say I, I'm reaching. I don't think I'm reaching. I thought the most interesting part about the food, though, was as soon as you throw him in the cell, he stops. He's like disenchanted on how the food tastes. It's like the whole idea of the food being good was all a visual trick. And that he the trick had worn off on him when he was thrown, when he was in the castle and they're handing him the bread and the bread was disgusting and the drink was disgusting. Or he Even just though, finally realizes I mean, what he's done. I think, I think it was just a thing that lures him there, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think the trick was more of a visual trick, a mind trick, than it was truly good food. I don't understand. I think yeah, kind of I mean, it was magic. magic <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was told to be magic. The magic I'm saying the ma- you can tell the magic wore off when he stopped seeing the when he starts seeing the wickedness of the witch's ways. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I, I mean, think he was slightly um, allured and then also tricked in the. Like, I I would be willing to bet you if Edmund had gone in with the idea that the witch was bad the magic would not have worked to trick him into the hot chocolate and the... Oh, yeah, because he would have been like, mm, no. He, he never would have hung out with her. No. Like, it, he would have, you know, been more cautious, but I don't think... I think eating the food in general is enough to put you under a spell. It's just like one of those, you know, Venus fly traps of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> you're enchanted by the smell. You're enchanted by the taste. And then you're trapped, okay? Mm-hmm. Like you're now shocked out of it because it no longer needs to allure you. It no longer needs to enchant I knew you. Will was going to do that. Will's gotten a donation before on this podcast for his beard. True story. That's happened. <laughs> um, the other thing is, is you have this parallel story where Lucy goes in, meets somebody she's never met before, has a similar but not the same experience where instead mm-hmm. of being... Uh, kidnapped, tricked, whatever you want to call it, Edmund did. I mean, she still kidnapped technically. She, yeah. she got kidnapped, but she had a better, she had a better outcome than uh, Edmund because she, although she did the same dumb thing that he did, trusted the first person she met in Narnia, uh, she was able to overcome it and um, wrote like kind of wrote her positivity and her her uh, positive attitude and outlook and her charm. War, rubbed off on the other person, and they yeah. eventually decided. I think if Tumnus that... had met Edmund first, he would have totally turned him over. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. Anyone would have. He sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's cause... kind of a brilliant parallel story going on at yeah. the same time. I mean, he's doing it for the. He's he really likes the messaging of don't trust strangers. C.S. Lewis has like a major thing about like children, be cautious, <laughs> be cautious of strangers, please. Stranger mm-hmm. danger is a real thing. And then he does both methods, right, of outcome to kind of show also the redemption thing for Mr. Thomas versus mm-hmm. the witch. And then also show that, you know, you might get lucky. That doesn't mean that strangers are good either, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. you could have either outcome occur. So yep. that's why you need to be, you know, cautious and responsible. Um I, I just, going Mr. back to... Mr. Thomas is the epitome of good people doing bad things. Well, he's coerced, technically. Yeah, exactly. He's, I'm saying, good, he's, he's the epitome of good people things. doing bad things. No, I didn't say why. I don't no, know but I'm saying he's doing bad things for survival, right? And that's another... I guess you... I didn't think of it before, but that's another message for it, right? Thank that, you, Sir Snug, for the dollar, the 99-cent <laughs> donation for Will's beard. <laughs> That's that's another message, though, right, Chris? It's, it is, yeah. It's Good people doing bad things for for survival, mo- survival right? or then, other motivations, and then realizing though that they don't have to do the bad thing. Right, right, right. That at some point you have to stand up and not do the bad thing just because mm-hmm. 
the crowd or the powers that be make you. So it's there's a lot there. I think this is a valuable book even for the parents who read it. To well, yeah, kid. I, I'm looking forward to reading these books with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you, here's another thing that I've noticed, and, and I'm curious what your comments are on it. I just remembered it. It was one of my one of the few notes I took was. Did you notice in the title of the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that they're introduced in reverse order of the title order? The wardrobe is introduced first. The witch is introduced second. The lion is introduced last. Doesn't sound as good when it's the wardrobe, the witch, and the lion. I'm just saying, like, it is interesting that they went backwards. I mean, it's alphabetical. No, it's not. No. Wardrobe would be before witch. Dude, A is before I. W A before W I. I know what. Come yes. on. Yes. Okay. I've been spelled oh my <laughs> I was just thinking. I mean, he picks, you know, actual people. Wow. That's just sad. Bad moment, man. Bad oh moment. man. I was thinking word. <laughs> so you think it's just you think it's just a, a sound thing? Like it's just to sound better. Well, yes. I thought it was more because although they're introduced in reverse order, uh, it's order of importance. The wardrobe really does not have as much importance once they're inside. And the witch, she's the constant threat. But the lion, that's the main thing I think he wanted to convey in the story. I, I kind of view it as he picked the main powers and then he picked the location. <laughs> that's how I read it. The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. They're in the wardrobe. So that comes last. I will make sure that once YouTube <laughs> takes their cut that Will gets the 70, 69 cents left. <laughs> Wait a minute. I how are you going to dole that out there, Chris? <laughs> Venmo. You have Venmo there, Will? I do. So since you brought up the importance of the message <sighs> of the lion, I love how he describes Aslan as good but not safe. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, you have somebody obsessed with your beard today. I, Dude, well, I don't even. I he don't didn't even respond to uh, calling him Big Papa, so now he's he's moved on. I to am me. not gonna respond. I <laughs> dignify that with a response. Hey, Chris, did you hear what I said? Oh, you think that's why? No, I missed it. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anxious. I said that I loved how he nuanced Aslan as good but not safe. Yes. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, well, the very, at the very end, he eats Lucy. You, you don't know, remember I wasn't that? Sure, well? if that was a true. <laughs> he does not eat Lucy. <laughs> I guess. He what do you mean, Lucy? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> he eats Lucy. Oh my gosh, Will. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a shocking ending. We would definitely have to dissect what C.S. Lewis meant by that moment. You know, he has a lot of interesting takes, though. He also, you know, C.S. Lewis believes in Lilith. Oh yeah, like, that was the in... wife of Adam and the and then the. I was like, huh? <laughs> you know, something that's been completely, even by his time, dismissed as it ever being a possibility. There's the uh, beaver being able to see in their eyes that they ate the witch's food. Hey, like so, so, there's there is there is a um, poll for you on there, and oh, it's got Will at 100 percent so far. Did you vote? <laughs> I have not voted. No. Oh. <laughs> Will might have voted. You might have noticed. No, I haven't seen it. Is you haven't seen the? the... Chat? Yeah, no. it's in the chat. Oh, I'm totally voting for myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Oh my god. Oh. Will's got 67% Aslan, of the Aslan, right that's now. cheating. <laughs> Did you, oh, you put Aslan in <laughs> I mean, oh, you can't man. compete with that man. Why not? Because it's almost sacrilegious. I mean, Liam Neeson is, is a clean cut there. man. Okay, so here, here's, here's my question for you guys. When you're reading Aslan in the book, do you read him with Liam Neeson's accent? Because well, I do that, now. Not the first yeah, time sadly. I yeah. do not. I, I didn't even think about that. I remember. I mean, I kind of read it that way a little bit because it's hard not to. Mm-hmm. 
after yeah. seeing the movie the first time. Well, I forgot up until up until Aslan comes on the screen in the movie. I had forgotten that Liam Neeson was even in it, and so in my brain, I'm like waiting and waiting for Aslan to come on screen. And all of a sudden, he comes on screen and he goes, "I've got a very special set of skills," and I'm like, "No, no, this is not what." <laughs> hey, man, it was not bad when it came out. Don't I just was like, I was so shocked. I was like, Jason wait a second, Liam Neeson? Thing yet, man? Mm-hmm. I know. I was joking um, about that part. I will say the lion CGI in that film is so much better Dude, the than the CGI Lion King. Is so good. Oh yeah, it is. That's a fact. I, I can't help but say that, I can't help but say that Disney really screwed up when they didn't try to make a Narnia section to their Animal Kingdom park. Mm-hmm. Like that is a gross failing by that by them. I I can't I can't stress. That. How the heck is Andrew winning the beard vote? I don't know, man. I didn't vote for myself. You're at 50%. I don't know why. Maybe because mine's the most controlled, okay? Maybe because <laughs> people want to mess with Will and I. Maybe Probably. that's why. Probably. Oh, do, you see, do you see that humble him just be like, my beard's better than that? <laughs> my gosh, Chris. Dude, just accept you'll lose to Will in a 1v1 on this. Uh-uh. That ain't gonna happen. Anyways... So as far what does your mom's beard look like? Oh my gosh. What in the world? I don't know who this person is, but Damn. Wow. My mom does not deserve that level of disrespect. Did you guys find it funny that Christmas still existed? But it made sense when we discussed it. No, it it makes sense because the two people that are in charge of Narnia at the beginning are English people. And so maybe they would know that reading this. No, okay. When but this the magician's first came nephew out, exists. Though, when this no, but magician's nephew didn't exist at first, yeah. which is why, I know, which is why he wrote it to explain here. all of this. Yes, this like he would not have like if there were so many that. plot holes in Narnia, mm-hmm. he would never have written the magician's nephew. But there are so many right. plot holes. He they do call him Father Christmas though, not Santa Claus. Just want to point that out there. Right, it's the same title. <laughs> not but really. It's, it's still odd when you first read this. Like, if you didn't know Magician's Nephew, you'd be like, why, why is Santa in here? <laughs> There's no... Oh, but, but, but he's played he's played by the same actor that played G.R. Mormont in, in mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. The, Did you know uh, that? Well, I know it now. Well, yes. Well, yeah, he... Uh, I didn't know it at the time. He's stuck in... Yeah, I know. At the time, I didn't know because Game of Thrones didn't exist. Well, yeah, Game of Thrones didn't exist yet, but I, as I rewatched it, I was like, holy crap. Like, what the I heck? mean, he's, a, he's in a lot of things, man. Mm-hmm. He, isn't he in uh, Braveheart as well? Oh, I think he is, yeah. Yeah. He might be. There's a lot. Like, the actors from Braveheart made it into a lot of things. I just want to point that out. Interesting. So, um, there, you know, Edmund is forgiven when he's rescued. That's another important thing. He's just forgiven. Mm-hmm. All's forgiven, right? Um, oh, at the end, you know, they go, we find out that Narnia's a libertarian. <laughs> they say that they, you know, pass just laws for those who want to live and let live. So Narnia is libertarian. Just saying. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a libertarian kingdom with a king. Okay, so the end. I did like the end. The ending of Aslan in the mo- in the movie and the book where Lucia says is noticed that Aslan's leaving. Mister Tumnus comes up and they have like a weird like in the movie. There's this weird moment where Lucy and Mr. Tumnus look at each other like they're about to kiss, and I was like, no, 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 this can't happen. But then, then they see his little tail. Um, and I'm just like, you're forgetting no. the parody that exists on the internet by the first Oh, God, internet. I hope I hope you're wrong. I, <laughs> oh, I don't want to know exists. about this. So don't even. Don't even going back to this book after reading, um, I voted for Will, uh, after reading um, The Magician's Nephew, I realized like, all the people must have died out. In that book, because they, they talk about well, yeah, an entire line. What? All the people died. No, no, no. All the no. people. No, no, no. They're not Narnia. The the kids are in um, Archenland and the other. Um, no, the, the islands, islands are controlled by the queen. It's in her no, title. I don't alone, think so. Alone islands or whatever. Yeah. But the thing Only is, they would have had people living in happen. Narnia. I mean, who would have replaced the king and queen in Narnia? So, like that entire lineage is gone. 
they're not though. They're not. It's it's it, Archerland is still there, man. The thing is, they must be because everyone is like, "Are you a son of Adam? Are you a daughter of Eve?" They don't know who no, what they because, are. Because Narnia got closed off to everybody else. That's the thing. Like when you read the book, right? Like at the end, they're talking about all the other kingdoms that want to marry Susan and Lucy. At the very end, everybody wants to marry Susan and Lucy. I saw that. I wasn't going (laughs) to highlight it. Yeah. Any joke that heckles you, I'm going to highlight, Chris. Okay, for the people who only listening, (laughs) they don't need to highlight a comment from Sir Snug that said, You are right, Chris. I'm sorry. That was mean. Your mom must hurt enough knowing you look like Seth Rogen. That's it. it Canceling the show. Like it's it. all over. <laughs> so, just had to provide context, Chris. Okay. So, somehow, we have 17 votes on this poll, but I have yet to see 17 live viewers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Those other kingdoms do exist. Just not Narnia. I guess you'd think that there'd be at least some people living in Narnia. Like they'd make like little fiefdoms within the kingdom or something. What do you what do you mean? Like the lineage of the king queen, the cabbie and his wife. Do you think that they would have at least some children that weren't destined to become princes that would have the lineage in Narnia, but she yeah. has to kill all of the sons and daughters of Adam because of the prophecies. Okay, so there you go. That's they're all dead. That's, so I guess she, no, we're, she we're killed back. all, but they still also controlled Archerland. Okay, so there are still some. Just so not in yeah, their their lineage that was located there still exists because mm-hmm. if you'll get the context in the next book, well, because okay. you find out that there the yet. character. Who the lineage of the main character in The Horse and His Boy is, okay? There's extra context. So here's an interesting point. Visiting other parts of the world. Yes. Um, I I like what Snursnug Snursnug says, that um, if you were to go by the... the, uh, the God of the Christian Bible, God would strike down everyone in Narnia for worshiping false idols. And that is an interesting point. Because, um, you know, C.S. Lewis kind of made this a parallel Christian-themed allegory. It's not like direct one-for-one in every way, shape, and form. They get to Jeebus. Um, the Jeebus? Yeah, they even said that he's the son of the Sky Father or something. No, he's the son of the... Uh, Guy across the wall. Uh, no, the, the emperor, emperor crossed the water. The yeah. There you go. I got him canceled. Is our YouTube stream down? Maybe. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> okay, hilarious. No, man. you said it. You you replied what it was. You quote. You read it. You read Why what he said- wrote, which maybe he's saying you'll get it taken down. I don't know. Because of the false idol comment? Like, that's legit. <laughs> that's like a literal phrasing from the Bible. Like, that's facts. Okay. You can't talk about the Bible, you man. Know, What's wrong with you? We do get demonetized every time we talk about C.S. Lewis. No one says that. <laughs> no one said that the cabbie stopped worshiping God. That is a fair point. But he doesn't. But at the same time, you have just him in another form there. So if they're worshiping Aslan, then it's I the mean, same thing. Yeah, Aslan and his father would theoretically be the same god. So, call me Pop. No, I ain't gonna call you Big Pop. That's, You're so close. That's that's really what it is, though, right? I mean, it's the same. They prove that later on in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it is it is a direct correlation between the Christian god of the realm that we live in and the Narnia god of the Narnia realm. He yeah, also would not be able to just take people from, or he wouldn't be able to rapture people basically from <laughs> Earth to Narnia if he was not the same God. Fair enough. Right. So theoretically, least, that's it, not theoretically in, in in the Narnia Chronicles. Chronicles now Narnia. the bigger question is about them with the nymphs and all. Of I that. think it's just yeah. mythical beasts. He has thrown a bunch of them. Just saying. For fantasy, bro. 
Yeah. Fantasy. Well, I mean, it's Greek myth. I mean, yes. that's, they yeah. have Pan. There are the Fawns. They have the Naiads. They have the Sea Centaurs, Goddesses. Minotaurs. Yeah. He's trying to convert the. No, I'm just kidding. The, yeah, well, the, min- the Minotaur is terrifying and eats people. So it's, it's just interesting when you I see it. I actually really like the Narnia Minotaurs when the way they did the CGI for them, though, oh, for cool. the movie, they looked so much cooler. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so, they should have been eating everybody. <laughs> well, you know, they're just way cooler as like a yak in, man- in yeah. male form. Yeah, <laughs> just yoked. I did way. like the um, centaurs. Oh, yeah. Those are pretty cool, and the yeah. griffins. Um, the CGI but, was great. Oh yeah, the CGI so, so, is top notch. Just before you get to that like uncanny valley concept that all modern CGI is, where everything <laughs> seems kind of fake. I hate it, man. I hate it. <laughs> I hate CGI now. Yeah, so Snug must be nothing. playing a ways behind on this podcast because I said that a long time ago, <laughs> canceling the show. <laughs> Dude, I just want to point out that. Marvel movies drive me insane for their CGI. I can't stand it. They're pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't stand it. So, Everything seems fake as fake. Everything they're wearing seems fake. Well, because it is. I know. It's obnoxious. The, the second the clothes became fake, I became extremely upset with, you know, yeah. modern cinema. All right? Like, it's sucky. Just pay someone to make a good mute outfit. Did you enjoy reading this more than The Magician's Nephew? No. I would say I did because some things happened. <laughs> Honestly, okay, I enjoyed it more up until The Beavers. After The Beavers, I don't enjoy it as much because it just seems very rushed. To now, me. if you watch the movie, then you get two hours of The Beavers. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, okay, all the way up through The Beavers explaining who Aslan is, everything about why they need to flee. Like, that, all the way through there, that portion of the book is very well written, very well paced to me. And then, it, it like I described earlier in the episode, um, it just seems like, okay, the kid is falling asleep now, I have to finish the story. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what it comes off as to me. Mm-hmm. I would disagree with that, because I don't think you read this with your uh, child in one night. If you did, Obviously, they would clearly but, fall asleep. But it, you have to admit it's rushed. The remainder of it is, like, very fast-paced. Well, I mean a little bit. I'll give you a little bit. There is a actual... Um, I, I found this The online. battle takes... Stop! Like, let, me, let me finish this thought. There is an actual, like, picture book version of Narnia. I think just specifically lying... That's the one he read. <laughs> With little pop-ups. Yeah. They do have something like that. I think the Harry Potter books have one too. And I'm like, this is actually a way you could introduce the Chronicles of Narnia to your kid even earlier than seven, which is what the recommendation is online. Um, Where would you rank this? Because I personally think from a fantasy perspective, a seven-year-old could probably grasp some of the concepts. But as far as gaining some of the the greater themes, I think an older kid would do better with this. Where do you guys see this book at? What age age group are you at? I mean, I think you can read it to your kid at five. Mm, I've got a five-year-old. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you got to be a little bit older. You're definitely reading it to your kid at at those younger ages. Yeah, like four or five. When they're like 12, I think they can read it on their own. Maybe gather more from it because they read it on their own. But before 12, I think it's a read-to-your-kid kind of book. You think that the earliest age they would be able to read it themselves is 12? Um, I would definitely back up on that, but that's just me. No, I think, I think I'm saying I'm saying and maybe? actually gather more from it. No, nah, I, I think you could read it at 10. Maybe. Looking back uh, it's, at it's it, it's hard. I, I think, think like I, I said before, I think you should read it, it twice, where you read it as a kid and then you read it as an adult. Yeah, because looking back at it, I don't think I ever appreciated the front half of the book as much. Well, yeah, because it's Narnia is the exciting part for a kid reading this. Yeah, but that's what I'm. Okay, yeah. what I'm saying is, you're you're asking what age? I'm saying maybe at twelve, you might appreciate a little bit of the earlier parts because you're starting to get no, into you that. Won't. You might Not at twelve. I you think you have to be. An, I think an, I think you have to be an adult reading it to really. Um, 
I don't think a, a non okay. unless you're like really into reading. I'm most saying kids it's more relatable. Catch. I'm saying it's more relatable because by the time they're twelve, that's when kids start to be a little bit shittier to each other. <laughs> So there's more of, like, I'm saying they might relate more to the Edmund and Lucy story arc. I do wish that C.S. Lewis had amended the book to make the Professor Diggory specifically instead of having us all guess at it. Well, I mean, there's not, at no point. It didn't matter until the magician's nephew existed. Yeah. So and then he, he straight read, up says it's Diggory in yeah, that book. Yeah, if you read the magician's nephew, then you know who he is. Like, I don't, I don't see a problem. I, with I understand, but still. The but, the but what I'm saying is, you get my point though, right? About kids being slightly shittier to each other once they're in that twelve. Yeah, range. I mean, I think kids like, are always shitty, but they are. But you're getting into middle school at that age, right? Like the ten year old is still elementary school. Mm-hmm. So they're more they're slightly nicer. Everybody's still friends. Serious yeah. answers to Snug. What do you what's your question, bro? It's gonna be something not serious, guaranteed. Alright, keep going. <laughs> no, but that's that's what I'm saying. I that's why I think the first half resonates more once you hit the twelve. Between seven and they say seven and fourteen, I'm splitting it in the middle. <laughs> like and saying that once you hit 12, you can probably relate more. That's that's just my take on it. The answer is yes. I did have multiple channels for music back in the day. It's been a long time since I've had like dedicated music channels. He's your long-lost fan. Chris. Apparently. I, I, I don't know what, what's going he on. Hunts, he, he's finally found you. He's here to bring you back. <laughs> They have a cl- they have a fan club yes. for you, and they need you. <laughs> You're their only hope, Sir Chris. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Okay. Anyway, go on the um, long quest to find your old music. Yeah. Well, fan, so, fan some club. of it exists on YouTube. I don't. I don't know how to. Well, find We used to it. do all the uh, like intros and outros too. Yeah, all the intros and outros to the podcast used to be my old music. Papa wants to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a different time we can share some. So, Will, what do you think? What do you think about the age? Um, it this is tough. So, like, I was reading. My family is, is like really heavy reader, so I was reading Same. books really early. And I would Same. say like this to read by yourself. I would have said seven to nine. To get all the themes, you have to reread it. Like, I yes. don't think you're going to get everything at that time. So, I can agree with you that you could read it by yourself, but I feel like. At the younger age, you gain more than that with with a parent still. Oh yeah, for sure. Because the parent reading it and like kind of knowing what to stress about messages might be a valuable aspect. Mm-hmm. For the yeah, like reader. going through the Harry Potter series when I was younger, like my mom would read it and then I would read it at the same time. Right. Plus, yeah. it's a good bonding experience. Mm-hmm. I think that. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh Please. will you're in you're encouraging this man. you are encouraging the better yeah. i'm sorry these it's, comments it's from Sir Snug. <laughs> it's good. all right here you go eight six seven five three oh nine <laughs> anyways uh, let's keep going you should have um, shared the number logic uses in his music for the isn't that the suicide prevention one uh, logic? <laughs> logic the rapper bro <laughs> mm, who, again who's logic yeah okay. terrible joke <laughs> terrible joke it's not so, a joke i don't know who logic is <laughs> fair enough man all right <laughs> compare the book to the movie oh, though I think, obviously, the book's better. Yeah, as oh, far yeah, as by far. The um, story, I mean, there, there are some there are some things I'll give credit to the directors for, um, but overall, it's just not as good. I don't like how the movie doesn't do as well with the first half of the book, but I like that they added the World War II element to it to actually yeah, explain why they're there. So I mean, I'm but like, you, you have Chris, to watch I appreciate the, it. You gotta yeah, watch for, the cringeworthy BBC miniseries. You got you got to watch the cringeworthy BBC miniseries version. There's there's the fact though that they add some 
unnecessary elements in I'm going to ban you from this uh, moderator. But I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Well. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of actually visually seeing the world of Narnia. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's just unquantifiable as far as a benefit to that movie mm-hmm. that everybody wants when they read the book. Oh, um, so how did you guys feel about C.S. Lewis breaking the fourth dimension, the fourth wall in the book? Because he does it at, several at places. What point? He does it in all of his books. He does it a lot in these books. Well, which point are you talking about specifically? There's multiple spots, but one of the most important ones. Oh God, don't even He's put that. Telling the story no. though, like I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I'm gonna put you in a timeout, Sir Snug. All right. Oh, anyways, no. um, uh, we're gonna end the poll on the uh, beard thing since I won. You won. All right. I did. How did you win? You have like know. how many YouTube accounts here over there? Voting for I, I had nothing to do with this, okay? And uh-huh. Chris voting for himself yeah, twelve he's times for himself, <laughs> or he's paying people. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, uh, long story short, um, there's a couple spats where I didn't. Know. <laughs> oh my gosh! This person comment put me in timeout. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Okay. This is getting Chris, really weird. Chris, you need to just pay attention to the thing you're trying to say that you just can't seem to say. Oh, breaking the fourth breaking wall the here. Fourth okay, wall. Yes, so breaking the fourth playing. wall. I'm sorry. He breaks the fourth wall, um, specifically in the part about Aslan dying. Punish me. Oh, my God. Chris, <laughs> the, sorry. A- Aslan. <laughs> Aslan, the part where he's getting mobbed by all the witches' characters. And C.S. Lewis says... Uh, He's describing like all the beings and people that are there, and uh, he says, "I would tell you the rest, but then your parents wouldn't let you read this book, <laughs> or something along I those mean, there's lines." There's nothing. I, the thing is, C.S. Lewis manages to just slip those comments in as a narrator of the story. Yeah, he's like, a narrator, that... so it's, it's always like that. The same thing in the space trilogy, the magician's nephew. Also, Tolkien does it in The Hobbit. He has, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's from a, the narrator's perspective. Like, yeah, not from... I don't see anything wrong with it. It flows. It always flows <clears throat> perfectly well. It's it's not like he makes it where it's like breaking the flow of the story. Yeah, I like it because it gives you an insight to what's going to happen and what is happening that's you know is outside of the understanding of the characters. Mm-hmm. So it just gives the reader context, whereas the the you know points of interest in the story, the characters. Um, you know, are not allowed to know because if they did, it would ruin the like the basically the entire story. <laughs> here, here it is, right? Like here. the um, he breaks the fourth wall with the Turkish delights. I keep bringing that up. He he explains that Turkish delights, um, you know, will cause Edmund to be constantly hungry, but Edmund doesn't know that, and and right, it's not from like the witch's mind or anything like that that's breaking the fourth wall. Well, yeah, that's because he only ever goes off the kids' perspective. Mm-hmm. He says, and other creatures who I won't describe because if I did, the grown-ups would probably not let you read this book. And then he goes to describe some of them, like cruels and hags and incubuses and the wraiths, horrors, afrites. I actually don't know what that is. Sprites, orkneys, loses, and ettins, whatever those are. Those sound like made-up Narnia things. Probably. But... Or they're British. <laughs> <laughs> British fairy tale things. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Slender Man was there. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> so if you had to rate this book on a scale of one to five, where would you put it? You want to go, go first? Well, yeah, I'll go first. This time I give it a five. I really enjoyed this book. I like it more than The Magician's Nephew. I think as a, in the context of a children's novel, it was very entertaining, and it's not a slog to get through as some other um, classic children's books are. I will give it a four. Oh, we reversed for the first time. Yes, I will give it a four. And my Your only issue reason, is the pacing. My issue literally is that it's two different books in one. There's a noticeable difference in pacing after the beavers. And every chapter feels like it comes with a time jump. That That's how it felt to me. Um, I didn't, it's not that it's bad. It's just, I want more in that portion i felt like it was too shallow in narnia maybe it's a perspective of someone who's watched the movie and felt like they did a good job expanding 
in Narnia, like visual, just the visuals of, of the things you can't really see while reading it. Um, but yeah, so it makes it where I kind of have a tainted aspect, like view of how the pacing is. And that's why I'll give it a four because you can't go lower than a four for Narnia. You just can't. It's, it's just an excellent book, especially for the age bracket that's supposed to be reading, especially when you factor in the messaging of the first half of the book. And even the second half has great messaging too. So I'll say this too. This is kind of why The Horse and His Boy is my favorite Narnia book because everything, every single thing is pure Narnia. Because you always wanted a horse? No, because every no everything the whole story is in the world of Narnia, so the all the morals, all moral messaging, all of the lessons learned, all of it is start to finish in Narnia. Well, not just Narnia, other realms of the universe, mm-hmm. but it's not doing this time jump thing. There's no, it, it's just start to finish one story, and it flows very well, and. Some of the later ones have it too, but it's not as, ha- it's not, those aren't happy stories, right? Like the horse and his boy in my book is a hat, in my, in my opinion, is a happy story. Kind of like Narnia is a happy story. The other ones aren't happy, aren't necessarily happy. So that's, that's my reason for liking that book so much. It kind of takes and corrects on what my major complaint is with this one. So I'm trying to remember what I gave the magician's nephew, and went back when we rated that one. Did I give it a four or five, Andrew? I think I gave it a four. Um, You've got you, this spreadsheet, yeah. probably. You gave the magician's nephew a four. We all gave the magician's nephew a four. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's funny. Like I, I don't. I don't remember really liking this one a lot. I know it's the most popular of the series in general. Like that's why they make the movie out of this one instead of the other, the other ones. But I remember really enjoying like Voyage of the Dawn Treader and Prince Caspian quite a bit more than the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. They made movies out of those two. They made I know that, but the, but the first one was Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's always the first so one they do. Bad comparably. Like I, I can say. Because we discussed it earlier too, I actually enjoyed the Narnia movie, even though it's different. Whereas I was frustrated by the cha- like really frustrated by the changes to Prince Caspian and Don Trader. Don Trader. Trader. I always say that one weird. All right. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm going to give the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe a four as well. Okay. Um, I, I think because it is his first work in the Nar- Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a pass for some of the rush because it is meant to be like a. It was meant to be a standalone book. In fact, all of yeah. them were. Yeah. Um, but because it is the first one he did, and the rest of them wouldn't exist without it, uh, I give it a four for that reason. Even though I have a lot of issues with some of the pacing, um, and I, I don't think it's his best work. That's for sure. I still think his best work is either Screwtape Letters or Paralandra. Those are my two favorite books by uh, Mr. Clive Staples Lewis, um, but overall, it's a great book. Like, I would happily read this to my kids. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't read this to a child as a parent. Unless, of course, like you know, you're completely against everything that Clive Staples Lewis stands for. Then, then maybe, of course, you might not read this mm-hmm. to your book to your kids or whatever. But all right. And we will take one last question from Sir Snug, since apparently this is very important. Whatever. It is. No. Last last thing that I will take from Sir Snug today. If if they actually ask the question. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'll give it a four, which gives us uh, a average score of four across the board on this one. Um, no, it's slightly eight. higher than four. Oh, you did a five, didn't you? You did a five, yeah. You did a five. You're right. How many YouTube accounts do I have? Four, <laughs> three. Oh, he got you to I talk don't about know. the uh, poll. <laughs> There's there's actually quite a few I've lost track of overall. Um, <laughs> Which means too many. No, no. For, for, so for example, I, I do. There's a how many votes did you get on your beard? Yeah, twelve. <laughs> you said twelve. Uh, if I was trying to slant the poll, don't you think I would have just voted for myself across the board? You see, you're you're smarter than that, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> he knows how to stuff a ballot. Yes. Anyways, uh, uh, the last. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> what the heck? Oh, my God. Uh, please don't read that. I am not reading that. So <laughs> Zero chance I will read that. Anyways. What did you, what did you guys think, of, just real quick, with the movie? We All right, just real that. quickly, the movie has terrible pacing at the start. Um, yeah. It, it delves into some context. It does not delve into all the context it does give the most important scene of the professor in the whole movie though which i did appreciate yeah. and i don't know if it's an extended edition or if it's always been there because i don't remember i didn't remember it the, the first time that's the problem but in the middle of the first eight chapters the professor does his whole scene about lucy where he's like okay mm-hmm. well why would you trust admin over lucy she's got the proven track record she's got the honesty mm-hmm. on her side she's not crazy they actually have that in the movie, and I'm like, wow, that is one of the most important scenes mm-hmm. from the first half they do? of the book. Yes, they do. Well, and I don't know if it's extended. I don't remember it. That's the thing. That's, uh, it may be an extended. Like, I might I might have watched an extended version, let's be honest. They like, have at the very end where he's like, tell me about your travels or whatever. Yes. That's See, yeah, they, that's the only part that I actually remember. But no, in the middle of the movie, they the at least the version that I watched, okay. they do have the hmm. um, professor talking about how Lucy's honest and that they should trust her. So that was, I thought that was important. I'm glad that that was in the version I watched today or no, I watched it last night, last night. Um, so it's, it's not my, I have one complaint. It's not a huge one for the purpose of this movie. It's more problematic later. Um, the age of the actors. I, yeah, that didn't bother me. Um, yeah. they, the but, age of actors and actresses is almost I'm always I'm telling off. you that it doesn't bother me for, narnia it bothers me for prince caspian okay well we can do that one when we when we actually read prince i'm just saying they made it where it doesn't make any sense because (laughs) narnia and the real world are on completely different timelines yeah so you don't have any ability for the ages to sync at all like at all properly so it's the first Prince Caspian movie should have had a different actor than the second one. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. That, that, that's Sounds like you it. should have watched the BBC miniseries version where they had yeah. actual cringe child actors doing all of it. You know what? Lucy is a good actress, and she's... Oh, yeah, she, she saved the so. movie in the beginning because her acting is the only good acting in the first part of the movie. Well, and Mr. Thomas. He well, yeah, but uh, he's not one of the kids. <laughs> I know. <laughs> The only good child actor you know, in the, the movie is, acting was top notch, Chris. The only good child actor in the movie is Lucy. Yeah, I mean, isn't that why Edmund's a uh, politician? Now you said <laughs> he is. He is a politician. He's officially a. Po- it says he's a political advisor for something. I don't uh, remember what. So yes, he's a politician. He's a, a bureaucrat. Anyways, uh, just to to take this all in and finish it up with a nice clean bow. Um, Overall, I think the book is good. It's good at what it does. Uh, the Aslan section is clearly an allegory to the Passion of the Christ, which is interesting. And then, aside from that, uh, the whole—it's technically like a almost like Revelations from the Bible at the end there, where you know he comes back and then they just overtake and kill the devil character, which is the witch. Um, which was supposed to be standalone, so right. So it's almost like you got revelations in there too, right after the passion's over. So it was really bizarre that and the so, yeah, the Jews thought that that was going to happen here. That you needed to be in Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's, my goodness! The only thing to say about this book, really, truly, is it's a classic. It is standalone. You could read this one and never read. never read another one. You could read this no, one and never read another one. You have to read all of them. Don't give me <laughs> oh, that. Oh, God. So, Jesus. so <laughs> it, it's a classic, right, Chris? You, you should read it no matter what age bracket you're at. At some, It's yeah. one of those books that I don't think anyone can possibly ignore it without having missed out. It doesn't matter what age bracket you are. You either missed out on it as a kid and should read it as an adult, or you're a kid and you should read it, <laughs> and then probably read it again as an adult because of that. Mm-hmm. So, even if your name is Nalza, the anti-Aslan, 
Okay. On that note, wow. we should end it. Well, wait, no, no, wait, we remember wait, last time wait. we said it, we talked about the anti Aslan being Nalslow or whatever. Wait, that was what we talked about last before time. Before we end it, remember everybody, go check out our join our uh, Goodreads book club mm-hmm. group. And also don't forget that the next book we're reviewing, in case you want to read along and tune in next time, is Unrestricted Warfare, China's Master Plan to Destroy the West. This one. Destroy America, that's right. Probably uh, probably a picture on the front here that will get the podcast demonetized. Well, it has a different photo now. If you actually go to Amazon to buy the book, it is basically three soldiers walking across with like what looks like a sun in the back. A sun flag or something. Oh, the version I got has a lady from I think the World War One on the cover. Oh yeah. It's like I said, it's got it like has a couple different, different covers. covers. Yeah, so this book is re- is really interesting. It's it's well, I just recommend that you tune in. We'll have a lot to discuss. It's very uh, appropriate for the time we're in now. So, okay. so many accounts to make. Holy cow! All right, join the Bring book in. club. Sir Snuggle will be here next time uh, <laughs> to snuggle up Please. with all the rest of the viewers. Yes, and their love of Will's beard. Mm-hmm. He's going to make a quilt out of Will's beard. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as always, I am Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Will. And uh, we are done with the third episode of... Printed and Pressed. And a little bit depressed. As And uh, we will see you on... <laughs> Why don't we just say the whole thing? The next one. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bro.